0: Welcome to the Modern Enterprise Podcast. This is a podcast tailored for enterprise IT leaders and decision makers wanting to transform their organization into a more modern and agile enterprise where software drives the innovation. This podcast is hosted by Krish Subramanian, founder and chief research analyst of Risha.Research, a research firm focused on modern IT stacks and artificial intelligence. In this podcast, we will talk about the trends reshaping the IT landscape that falls in line with the modern enterprise framework advocated by Risha.Research. For more information on our research, please visit www.risha.com. You can read our research articles at www.stacksense.io. We are reinventing industry research for the data-driven world by opening up our data and research process through GitHub. We encourage you to join us in our research. By starting our repos or doing a poll request whenever appropriate. This will get your voices heard in our research process. You can find out repos at www.github.com slash You can also watch our videos and webinar recordings at www.risha.tv. Please subscribe to this podcast at anchor.fm slash modern enterprise. Let us now move on to today's show.
1: In this episode of modern enterprise podcast I'm going to talk to Jim Baguadia of Nirmata. I've known Jim for a couple of years now, and I have already had him as a guest in one of the virtual panels I hosted for Rishi.tv. Today, I'm going to talk to Jim about Kubernetes ecosystem and how Nirmata fits into that ecosystem. Jim, welcome to the show. Looking forward to a great conversation.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Krishna, and great great being here and great uh, talking about these topics. So my name is Jim Bhagwadia. I'm one of the co-founders and the CEO at Nirmata. And what we do at Nirmata is we help enterprises adopt Kubernetes by providing multi-cloud management, multi-cluster and multi-cloud management uh, for Kubernetes components as well as workload.
1: Kubernetes has been gaining quite a bit of momentum in the last several years. In fact, Every KubeCon, I'm seeing more and more organizations coming out and talking about how they are using Kubernetes in production. Earlier, it used to be the case of organization tinkering, probably a small team playing around with Kubernetes in the organization. Now, they are deploying it to production. There is a tremendous growth. I want to hear from you about the state of Kubernetes. What do you see in the market and what is your perspective on it?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, and it's fascinating to see how quickly and how, you know, how well the ecosystem and the, the industry is evolving, right? So, so in many ways, you know, when you, when you think of Kubernetes at a high level, one analogy that comes to mind is Kubernetes has become like the new cloud OS, right? So it's kind of become the Linux for cloud. And just like an operating system, you know, you need to have a very stable core and kernel, but then you evolve things around it. And that's the pattern that's you know, really nice to see uh, happening within the Kubernetes ecosystem, um, and and within you know like as we see new releases come out, increasingly you know and there there has been some blog posts and things out there saying hey is Kubernetes becoming boring? But that that's a good thing, right? Because it means that the kernel, this, the core, is now stable, is mature, is ready for prime time for production use. Um, and now we can start developing extensions, features, other add-ons around that stable core, which all enterprises can leverage. So I think that's the general trend that we're seeing is, you know, as the maturity of the workload APIs, the, the cluster APIs, some of the core components uh, is, are very stable, very usable, and now they're well-known exp- abstractions. And most of the ecosystem is evolving by providing extensions um, as Kubernetes custom resources in a native manner around the stable core.
1: I like how you are positioning Kubernetes as the kernel of the cloud operating system. In fact, I agree with that assessment. In in 2014, at the time I was with Red Hat OpenShift team, I wrote a blog post on allthingsplatforms.com where I argued that Kubernetes will emerge as the kernel for the application operating system. I think we both more or less agree that Kubernetes is the kernel that drives the operating system that is the foundation for modern day cloud native applications. Now I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about another trend that is happening, that's multi-cloud. What do you see as the motivation for organizations to use multi-cloud? What are the challenges they are facing?: I would love to hear your perspective on this.
2: Yeah, of course. And, and so so there's two two aspects that we see to this. One is, and Kubernetes, to a large degree, you know the whole the whole goal of having a you know a middle layer like Kubernetes is to be able to decouple applications from infrastructure, right? You want some you know common kernel like we're describing to be able to manage all of the resource abstractions underneath and then also be able to provide the right framework for describing your workloads, your jobs, your applications, and the the desired characteristics of those. So I think when when you start thinking about multi-cloud, it's not so much even if you're using a single cloud, the goal here is to first decouple applications from infrastructure not have your developers bogged down with all of the infrastructure concerns, with all of the nitty-gritty details of one cloud provider, but focus on what's best for their application um, and, and describe it in this common language that Kubernetes offers. Now, the reality of most enterprises is whether, you know, it's different teams choosing different, you know, what's best for their application. Like we are working with large enterprises where, you know, the central IT team doesn't want to be the one enforcing one infrastructure stack. So if one team says, hey, you know, I want to do an AI ML application and I believe that Google Cloud provides the best services and solutions and tools for what I want to do. Another team is building a Windows application and they're saying Azure is the best place for my application. So central IT and enterprise teams don't want to be the one saying, no, you have to do things this way or that way, but they want to enable these application teams to build the best applications for the business and and manage them in the best possible manner. So this is the beauty of Kubernetes, where it now normalizes across all of these cloud provider stacks. And by the way, there's still a fair amount of workloads which are still on-prem, on bare metal, uh, we're seeing, you know, even Edge as sort of become the new, in some ways, Edge is the new private cloud, right? Uh, where you want to now uh, start putting, you know, some applications closer to users. But across all of these, if you think of Kubernetes as the great normalizer, now you have one way of managing infrastructure underneath and one way of managing applications above. And that's kind of how we are starting to see multi-cloud uh, and the, And the need to kind of leverage the best services underneath uh is what enterprises are uh, also moving towards.
1: I totally agree with you on this in fact uh this is what I have been telling people too like uh give uh, developers the services they want for their applications instead of do uh, forcing them to use a specific cloud provider uh Set of services. It's uh, if you do that, it's like going back to the traditional world where you force everyone to use Oracle, and now you are stuck with Oracle. Okay. The same problem is going to happen with the cloud if we are not going to empower the developers with the right set of services for their application. And I also agree with you that the underlying infrastructure is slowly becoming immaterial. Immaterial in the sense that it could be one any any of the cloud providers, it could be on premises, it could be edge locations. You decide where you want to host your applications based on the user experience you want to give and based on where your data is and how fast you want to make sense of data. So right. from that angle, I see that multi-cloud and eventually edge. I Going forward, I sort of imagine a world where we will have a, we will have something like a P2P cloud with cloud providers, edge location, everything for uh, forming a mesh network underneath to uh, give an elastic infrastructure with abstractions like Kubernetes, uh, abstracting away all the complexities of managing it and letting developers build applications. So is it something uh, you also visualize? And uh, if that is what you are thinking we are going to have in the future, what are the challenges enterprises mm-hmm. are facing mm-hmm. as they're embracing multi-cloud, pro- multi-cloud approach?
2: Yeah, no, that, that's a great, uh, great question, right? And so we, again, given our focus on the enterprise segment, and working with several enterprises through this cloud native journey as they embrace containers kubernetes and, and this new way of building you know building applications and delivering value to their customers so the the interesting thing we see is you know of course every cloud provider supports kubernetes infrastructure vendors even some of your traditional infrastructure vendors uh, who moved from the vm world they're now you know kind of you know touting their kubernetes expertise But the problem is, you know, again, like going with one particular infrastructure stack and there's a deep, you know, issue with how a lot of these platforms have been built. So at Nirmata, the approach we took from the beginning and us being software developers, we know that, you know, Uh, Developers want freedom and flexibility for their application. We want to choose the best services, the best solutions, the best tools. But operators and, you know, we come from a network management background. So we know the op space and we know operators need the governance, the central management, the visibility, the monitoring, all of that, right? So how do you balance those two? And when we kind of looked at this problem set, and as we architected Nimata, what's very deep at uh, the core philosophy here is that freedom and flexibility for developers, but the right visibility management governance for operators. And that resonates you know, with enterprises as we we're talking to, because we don't impose one way of doing CICD. Uh, we don't impose one particular tool set when it comes to managing you know, your, your pipeline or your code commit, et cetera. So, so each dev team can choose what's best again for their application. Um, so in many ways we're like the unplatform of platforms, right? Uh, we provide only the minimum services which need to be centralized as a centralized solution, but then allow that freedom uh, and flexibility. So we call this an out-of-band management a- approach. Uh, again, given our telco kind of roots, uh, where we're sitting alongside Kubernetes, we're sitting alongside the stack and enriching it and providing that value without getting in the way uh, or limiting the freedom and flexibility of developers. So I think that's one core challenge we see with enterprises uh, kind of grappling with and trying to come to grips with is how do they do the some of these central services without getting in the way of developers? And then the second thing is, this is not just about technology, right? There is an organizational shift happening too. And what's very interesting to, for us to see is as enterprises uh, you know, are adopting Kubernetes containers, initially, like with any new technology, it happens to be line of business or BU's or business units trying to adopt this you know, directly using an infrastructure stack. But very quickly, the the inefficiencies of that approach became apparent, and enterprises, the savvy enterprises and the ones who are successful with this are realizing the need for a central platform team, uh, a center of excellence, if you will, for Kubernetes and cloud-native within the enterprise. That is then decoupling all of the infrastructure and some of the vendor sort of details underneath them but providing this as a common service to all of their product teams so developers can, again, focus on building value for the business without getting bogged down in all of the details of the stack.
1: I totally agree with what you're saying. In fact, based on my conversation with Rishi Dot research clients as well as other practitioners, I see this problem like multiple versions of Kubernetes across multiple clusters or sometimes across multiple cloud providers, sometimes in a hybrid scenario, on-premises, as well as cloud providers. There is a proliferation of different versions in any organizations. And can you talk a little bit about how Nirmata is helping organizations tackle this issue, especially with the various versions in the organizations, with various kinds of tooling to set up the DevOps pipeline? How do you bring all of them together and make it seamless for organizations?
2: Yeah, so we, we provide a common, a central management plane for Kubernetes clusters, independently of where they're hosted, whether it's, you know, uh, managed Kubernetes services by, by AWS, or Azure, or Google, or other cloud providers, or if it's, you know, custom clusters, which Nirmata also can install. Um, so to us, you know, bringing up Kubernetes is no longer the value proposition, right? And this is a direct quote I heard from a customer yesterday was uh, manage Kubernetes services leave a lot for the customers to manage themselves, right? Because it's not just about delivering Kubernetes, it's everything else that has to come together to make the solutions enterprise-ready. So Nirmata helps manage that that second layer of services above Kubernetes uh, components itself. So you bring up, of course, the control plane. And like I said, we could integrate with um, you know, other contra- you know, managed Kubernetes services, or we can Nirmata can also deploy and operate Kubernetes as custom clusters. But then, once those clusters are up, installing everything for security, for monitoring, for logging, all of the CRDs you want. If you're running Istio, you have to install like there's almost like about 25 to 30 different uh, you know CRs which get installed just for service mesh, right? Uh, Something has to version all of these, monitor all of these, manage all of these components. And that's what Nirmata does in an out-of-band fashion. Now, once you have that layer, so that's what the cluster operator cares about, right? They bring up these clusters. What Nirmata lets us do then is now you can provide what we call virtual clusters to your end users. So your end user, your, your dev team is still getting Kubernetes. They're still able to do everything natively through kubectl, uh, through tools like scaffold or any, any other tool that they want, uh, but without, um, you know, without having to worry about, hey, is Prometheus installed for monitoring? Is my security tool, whether it's TrisLock or Aqua or uh, StackRox, are those installed and running, right? Um, is my logging enabled and who's going to manage all of the who's going to upgrade Prometheus for me, right? So all of that is now a central operations team can do. Uh, and once they, you know, once they define their blueprints, their policies for clusters in their Mata, they can quickly enforce those and make sure that all of their clusters are operating in a very compliant manner. Um, and then the, the dev teams, you know, they're getting virtual clusters and in their sandbox, and their virtual cluster, it's still a full native Kubernetes experience uh, without having to worry again about all this uh, other baggage that, that needs to be set up. Uh, I guess maybe uh, it's very important baggage because you can't make a trip without it, but it, it just is not something that should be a dev concern.
1: Let us now shift gears from talking about how Nirmata supports tooling around Kubernetes to how Nirmata supports various tools that form the DevOps pipeline as the code moves from developer laptop all the way to production?
2: Yeah, no, good, great question, right? So we, we are non opinionated about, um, you know, how exactly um, the, the configuration management and the image management occurs. But we provide several tools to allow different teams to to kind of format and build their own DevOps pipelines. So Nirmata supports both a push and a pull model of CICD. So with with Kubernetes kind of getting down more into the nitty gritty of it, there's two things that really matter, right? So there's your, your images, which are typically built by your build orchestration tool like a Jenkins, or CI or one of these CI-CD tools. As they're you know kind of uh, look at code changes in a version control system, they will build those images, push them into your registries. So that image needs to be deployed into the right environments. And then there's manifest. So the, the deployment descriptors for uh, which are typically in YAML format for Kubernetes, right? So the two models that you could take for this is either you're pushing those into specific clusters or the clusters themselves are pulling them uh, based on, you know, what changes are happening upstream. And in Enmata, you can do both. You can set up your, you know, your clusters so that they follow a GitOps or a pull style model, uh, which is becoming popular where, you know, you're kind of just looking at changes and you're, based on what changes occur in your upstream uh, repositories, you are kind of pulling those in. In Nirmata, we also just beyond that, you know, directly applying it, we have full change management with approvals, with integration into Jira and things like that. Which enterprises require, right? So for compliance, they might, even if you just open and close a JIRA ticket, you may want to record that somebody made a change in a particular cluster. And of course, if you're using Git, you know, that is one one source, but you also want to record it closer to what actually occurred in the cluster and when something got applied. So that's that's one style. The other style is of course you're using some build orchestration tool again and that is coordinating. So again, Nirmata has Jenkins plugins. We integrate with other partners like Circle CI for CI C D where we can do a push into specific clusters and then promote uh, artifacts and manifests across that DevOps pipeline.
1: So far we talked about how to get Kubernetes running and how Nirmata helps organizations use whatever tool they want to work with Kubernetes. Let's now talk about day two operations and beyond. That is very important for most organizations. And the biggest problem is governance. You talked about security, governance, and all those things. So governance is a big problem. This is a bigger problem in a multi-cloud world. And I know you, Nirmata, allows users to run multiple clusters across multiple clouds. So this is not an easy problem to solve from a governance perspective. Can you talk a little bit about how Nirmata solves this problem and helps users with data operations?
2: Yeah, great, great question and great topic, right? So I totally agree, governance and having that some way of managing that consistency and getting, you know, making sure that things are compliant is extremely important. So Nirmata, you know, and and the way we have built Nirmata is that we always had a very robust and rich policy framework and engine, right? So all configurations were driven through policies and you have central policies which can apply. Um, and, And that mechanism in Kubernetes, if you think about it, uh, Kubernetes configuration management is fairly complex, right? In surveys, you've probably seen almost like at least 50 to 60 percent of uh, people say the configuration management is perhaps the most complex task in Kubernetes, and a lot of that, like we we're discussing, belongs to the cluster admins, the cluster operators. Um, another, you know, th- thing to realize is Kubernetes clusters they you can really think of kubernetes as a i think joe beta one of the you know founders of kubernetes said this kubernetes is a toolbox right and so it has a lot of uh very interesting tools but you have to know how to use those tools and apply them uh because it's not secure by default it doesn't come configured uh, fully configured ready to go out of the box so things like whether it's pod security policies network policies namespaces um you know resource quotas even like you know our back details for every team all of that has to be configured and managed and it's complex so this is where nirmata provides a huge value to uh, to enterprises especially as you're looking at multiple clusters with different versions across different infrastructure and provides a central policy mechanism to be able to easily configure this now one thing i should uh, you know i want to mention is we recently took that policy engine which we matured over the last couple of years and we've built it into an open source project uh, called kiverno kiverno is a greek word for govern so it kind of fits in into that whole governance theme that uh, which you mentioned is super critical and uh, what we have done is we've built this as a Kubernetes custom resource. So there are other policy frameworks out there which are general purpose and then retrofitted into Kubernetes. But Kiverno, which is you know uh, the way we've built it, is it's ground up, built for Kubernetes. It's Kubernetes native. It works as a custom resource, so you can use Kubernetes configuration management tools. It emits events for you know policy enforcement. Uh, you can kind of uh, manage it, um, you know, just like you know when you if you want to match resources for policies, you would use again Kubernetes uh, Kubernetes uh, native constructs like label selectors, things like that. So it's very familiar to Kubernetes operators, and it becomes super simple now to define these policies and start managing them across clusters, whether they're managed Kubernetes clusters through cloud providers, whether they're custom clusters, doesn't really matter, right? It just becomes agnostic to this. And you can think of this as a common policy management layer.
1: Kiberno is definitely interesting. I hope organization adopt it in a big way. We are getting close to the next KubeCon. What do you expect from the Kubernetes community? or what do you expect to see in the next KubeCon that's going to happen in San Diego pretty soon?
2: Yeah, so certainly I think what, what we expect and what we're seeing is these best practices um, starting to evolve uh, for not just, you know, so, so, so Kubernetes as the control plane as sort of this uh, this kernel like we're describing is a given, right, that's happening. Now the question is, how should enterprises best leverage it, best start using it? And that's where I think there's going to be a lot of focus. What should be centralized? What should be inside of clusters, right? So if you look at some of the Twitter debates and things like that, there's still questions on, should we run several small clusters or should should enterprises have large clusters? Now, of course, there's trade-offs, there's pros and cons. It's those type of, with tooling and with platforms like Nirmada. now we're seeing you know, that definite enterprises are getting confident enough where they can say, look, I don't need to you know, sp- you know, have, uh, end up with cluster sprawl, just like in the past we did with VM sprawl and other things. Uh, but I can now manage you know, confidently these larger clusters, create virtual clusters, and, and provide self-service type interfaces to my teams. So I think it's that, you know, those extensions like Kuberno, like other things that we'll see continue to mature in the community. And of course, with, you know, other, you know, things where uh, the that continue to evolve, like service mesh uh, for microservices style applications, and of course, new frameworks that are coming in on Kubernetes, uh, even for serverless and other things, those will continue to mature. So So those are very exciting trends to see, but a lot of the adoption, those adoption patterns, getting the organization right, I think we'll see more shared knowledge grow within the community and best practices start to emerge there.
1: Absolutely, like as more enterprises use, I think uh, we are going to have more shared knowledge and that's going to help the whole community. I totally agree with you. And thanks Jim, it was a great conversation and it's always a pleasure talking to you about Kubernetes and other
0: technology trends. Thanks for your time. It was great to have you in the podcast.
2: Thank you. My pleasure.